Hello, and welcome back to another guest episode. Today, I have with me Kelsey Beach. She is a pelvic floor therapist here in Kansas City, where I also live, and she's a mom of two. And I just love Kelsey because she shares the real and the honest, and I'm excited for you to get to hear her perspective as a pelvic floor therapist, as someone who cares for moms also, but then also just like how she does motherhood her way, how she's making it work, why she chooses to do the juggle she does instead of just working like a nine to five, like just all the raw, real details. So welcome. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Um, yeah, mama, two boys business owner, launched my business Encore during the pandemic when I was pregnant with my first kid. So I found out I was pregnant on a Tuesday, quit my job during the pandemic on a Sunday, like Sunday. Oh my God. <laughs> and then two weeks later, launched a business with zero business experience. Um, and it's been amazing. And I, you know, we, we knew we wanted a family. We knew we wanted to grow our, our brood. And I just knew I couldn't grind anymore. I was, it was funny. So during COVID, I actually got furloughed for five weeks from my job. And my husband, one night, he's like, you're a lot better to be around. <laughs> and at first I was like, that's fucking rude. Um, you're not a bitch anymore. <laughs> yeah. But he kind of was like, no, you're just, you don't come home at like, you're just a lot more pleasant. Your mood seems a lot better. And I kind of thought, gosh, have I really been had work been just bringing me down that much? And he's like, yeah. And so that was kind of the catalyst to think, man, something has to change. Like COVID was such a hard time, but it was kind of the fire I needed on my butt to say, you know, what? I've been in the game long enough. Like I can do this. I've managed clinics. I've been a public PT for almost 12 years. Like I can, I can do this. So yeah, I took a huge leap and launched the business and here we are three years later where I've got, there's four of us now at my business and we're just all moms grinding away at the pace that we want to grind and serving the community of Kansas city, specifically like the mom community. That's our business is really niched down into pregnancy, birth and postpartum. We see everything pelvic floor related, but you know, I'm really wanting us to be kind of become like the go-to clinic for all your perinatal, um, needs so that that's really what we're we're slowly morphing into is that wow so with the timing of all of that did you like make the decision before you found out you're pregnant to quit my job yeah I mean you quit that weekend yeah, like I think I, I knew it was coming and like we had been trying for months we we you knew it, it was possible like yeah it, okay yeah and but then I like don't know No, I think I decided to quit my job and then I found out I was pregnant mm -hmm. and I just was like, mm. Mm. but there's like never a good time to get pregnant and there's never a good time to quit your job and there's never a good time to start a business. Wow. And we just did it in a culmination of <clears throat> all at once. And, and it's, it's worked out beautiful. I tell like, I've had some other PTs be like, you know, would you start a business again at that point? I was like, I don't think so. Like it was not a good idea. Um, <laughs> and mostly because like my business was my first baby yeah. and then Baker was my second Monty was my third. And I, with, with Baker, I was a business owner who was a mom. And I really wanted to rewrite that narrative with Monty and be a mom who owns a business. Mm. I wanted to change like who my first person was. And that was me becoming a mom first. So I've changed a lot of how I'm running the business, how I'm working um, to really be home more with the kids, but still learn a business. And that's been a really hard transition. I'm still learning every day that business can wait. My kids can't. Um, and I'm a type A high strong controller. 
so if they, like I told my husband today, like, gosh, I didn't get two patients called. Like I really would. And I feel like really guilty about it, but like, it's okay. I got, I made sure to play with my kids a little bit more. And so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing. And I'm still navigating becoming a mom who owns a business. Um, but it's been really enjoyable. I really, I really enjoyed it. Taking this turn into deeper into my motherhood, um, with two kids now, it's been really fun. Yeah, that's so interesting to have to actually, like, basically put on the identity shift mm-hmm. first. Yeah. And then figure out what that means. But to have, like, exactly. adopt that <laughs> first. Yeah. Exactly. And I mean, with the business, I am, I'm everything. I'm the admin. I am the janitor. I'm the biller. I'm the scheduler. I do everything for the business. Plus I see patients one day a week and then plus I'm a mom. So really navigating that has been interesting and I'm, I'm making it work. I'm figuring it out. It's, it's challenging. And as Monty's getting older and settling into a little bit more routine with naps, I'm hitting it a little bit better, but then other days it's just garbage and I'm not a good business owner, but I'd rather be a poor business owner than a poor mom. Um, but do you think actually, you when you feel like a poor business owner? Like, does anybody else notice or is it just you? <laughs> it's just me. It's a hundred percent just me. Like, and I think what's really cool, like in the mom community is like the patient that I didn't call today, I'll call her tomorrow. And it like, I never want to make an excuse, but moms are very forgiving of moms. Like yeah. I'm so lucky to work in this world that moms see that I'm a mom and like nurture me just as much as I nurture them. And I think that's what really kind of fuels me to keep going in this very mom focused world is just moms, moms, nurture moms. And it's forgiving. It's peaceful. And I've never had anyone like be a a, a patient or anyone or a clinician that I know of be upset that I couldn't show up as immediately as I, as immediately as I would have hoped because I chose to be a mom instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was talking with a mom last week who has a business and I was kind of asking her like, how do you juggle it and blah, blah, blah. And she's like, well, one thing is because she's she's in an industry that kind of just like serves other businesses. So she's not always working with moms, but she was like, I'm I only take on clients that are either moms or are OK with the fact that like they know my kids come first. And mm-hmm. I was like, that's a really good boundary a, to have. Like strong boundary. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. You just kind of have to set those things in place. Mm-hmm. Um, and I bet too, like, cause this happens to me a lot. Like I'll send a voice text or I'll reach out to somebody <laughs> and they'll get back to me. And they're like, I'm sorry. It took me so long to get back to you. And I'm like, did it <laughs> like I forgot what I said I don't even remember what I asked <laughs> like yeah it's been a day like I totally yeah. forgot like, I know. probably don't even know exactly it took you an extra day or an extra yep. hour or whatever like we are so much harder on ourselves agreed yep uh, and I tell all like my patients if they ever apologize like oh I'm sorry for my kid crying in the background oh I'm sorry that I couldn't call I'm like never apologize for being a mom yeah like never apologize to me for being a mom. Like wherever you're at in your journey, like with healing, with rehab, you being a mom always trumps everything else than what I'm going to do. And so I always stress, like, just never apologize for being a mom. Yeah. I even, (laughs) I did an interview for someone else's podcast the other week or like last week. And I like locked myself in the basement because I was like I know the kids are going to be loud and it's their podcast it's not mine like I want to make sure there's no background noise. it was like in the intake form like no background noise blah 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 and so tonight when I told my husband I was like I have a podcast interview but don't worry it's my podcast like (laughs) it's cry it's fine people get what they get when they come to my platform Mm -hmm. exactly that's yeah like there's nothing wrong with that and I don't think anyone any mom's not gonna be like, oh, her kid was crying in the background. I can't watch this. Like, you don't need that listening. <laughs> yeah, we don't need you. Exactly. Like, if I whip a boob out on a Instagram reel, it just 
sorry, not sorry. There's so much stuff. I'm like, I'm probably just breastfeeding. Like I'm breastfeeding or I'm pumping with with half the stuff I'm like, if I'm making content, it's yeah, that's what I'm doing. Breastfeeding. That's when I have, that's when I have a free moment to sit down. I know. (laughs) Exactly. 100%. Go, go, go. Yep. Oh, that's funny. Um, so I want to give you a chance before we just like totally derail and talk about mom stuff. Cause I want to do that is just a little bit about pelvic PT, a little bit about like pelvic PT in the perinatal period and why, and just like the ins and outs of it. Like why would somebody do it and what? Yeah. So why is it important? Oddly enough, like my career was really deep seated in chronic pelvic pain, Mm. bowel dysfunction and pediatric bowel and bladder dysfunction. Okay. I thought pregnancy was the most boring thing to treat. (laughs) I like, I was just like, oh, you're just pregnant. Like, that's it. That's this, this is boring. So majority of my career, I wasn't seeing pregnancy and I saw very little postpartum. Um, So I actually built my business more or less around my pregnancy journey and really started realizing we're not educating moms the way that they need to be and holding moms in the space they physically need to be for their pregnancy, birth, and postpartum. Um, First son was a midwife group at a hospital. They were great but no one, I wasn't getting any education about how my body was physiologically changing and how to accommodate those changes. Um, you know, we have this, if you go, if your back hurts in pregnancy, it's just sciatica. And half the time, these women don't even have sciatica. If, you know, a rib hurts, it's just the baby position. Like we're really not stripping down the symptoms and like peeling back these, like the layers of the onion to really get to what the root of the problem is. And so I really was like exposed to that. And so in the pregnancy world of PT, we really just want to look at your alignment, your posture and educate you on how your body is going to change as you grow a human. Like that's a big deal. We're very focused on mom first um, not baby. Like we are obviously concerned about the baby. We want to, we want to make sure like the house that the baby is being built in the womb, the mom is sound biomechanically, physiologically to have a very happy pregnancy. Um, and then in birth, birth is where like my burning passion is right now. We, I mean, first time moms, your body has absolutely no idea how to birth baby, but we're, we just have this idea that like, oh, you just push baby out. Like that's it. And, you know, you go to your birth provider they pretty much tell you what to do. And then that that's, then you get a baby. And I really learned too, like, whoa, there, the body is so capable and physical, phys- so capable and physiologically can be manipulated to make a better birth experience. And so I've really been deep into birth biomechanics and looking at, you know, as the baby transverses down at different stages of labor, how do we need to adjust the pelvis, move, move the femur, move the leg, move this, move that, and just building a mom's toolkit to say, Hey, you can have whatever voice you want in birth, but you need to know what your body is doing. So I like in the birth prep I do, we talk a lot about breathing techniques, pushing techniques, positioning techniques, um, hip internal rotation versus external rotation, triplane motion, and just fill their toolkit with as many tools as they can. So that when they go to birth that day, they feel so educated that they can choose what tool they want to use at what situation. Um, and really just raising their, the, the volume of their voice to say, this is how I want this story to go. And here's the tools that I'm going to use to write it. So that's, like I said, where my burning passion is right now is, is, is the very small window of birth prep and birth, but then postpartum, we love seeing moms just to almost like pregnancy, educate you on what your new body is. Like I'm very anti-bounce back culture. I'm very anti like pre-baby body. 
like that shit's gone and we need to normalize that. Like your body had never grown, birthed, fed a baby before. So why are we thinking you're going to go back to that? Like Mm -hmm. your body went through one of the biggest, like physical, hormonal, emotional changes. Why do we have this idea that you can just bounce back into your pre-pregnancy genes? Like, why do we give a shit about that? Um, so really educating moms about like, this is just what your new body is. And here's how we can really learn to not only love what it's going to provide for your baby, but also provide for you. Like what we really love addressing, like, what are your postpartum goals? Like, how can we facilitate a really like beautiful rehab with that? Um, you know, normalizing, not normalizing, that's not the word I want to use, but talking about demystifying that's what I want to use demystifying leakage after birth constipation issues after birth vaginal odor after birth um prolapse after birth like really just having moms come in and be like yeah all that you're going through is part of your journey let's just talk about it like let's kind of get off this high horse of oh I went to my six weeks and they said I'm fine so now I'm just fucking released to the wild like that's just not what, what it is. And so we love to catch them at that six weeks and say, Hey, you're released to now really start thinking about what your journey wants to look like. Let's just take step one. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of not it. That was not a nutshell. That was a big shell, like pregnancy, birth, postpartum. That's where we land as rehab clinicians to help moms on their journey. Yeah. Well, it just opens a world to, just like with what I do, like a lot of times, like moms don't know what they don't know. And mm-hmm. if we're not having these conversations, if people don't even know to question, what is my body going through? Yep. Like to question, oh yeah, there is like, you know, potentially five to nine pounds of baby plus placenta plus amniotic fluid plus like sitting on your pelvic floor like literally that wasn't there before and Mm -hmm. then like it's just it's so oh yeah of course you pee your pants oh yeah of course you had a baby of course yeah I sneeze when I pee I had a baby I'm like that's not an excuse for a pelvic floor dysfunction is it a common thing that can happen? Yes. I really want to get that word out, but it is rehabable and it's not what you have to be stuck with. And your OB can't treat that. Like that's the main thing we need to put, like take our OBs off these pedestals of these all knowing beings and say, OBs, you're really good at catching babies live there. Let us do the rest. Yeah. Um, And that's where I just love the education piece to moms of just saying like, you have so many opportunities to walk through so many doors during this journey. Like, and I hope we're just lucky that we're one that you get to walk through. Yeah. It's just one more way that you can get in the driver's seat. Like, obviously it's the title of this podcast, but that analogy is just so (laughs) applicable to so many situations where it's just like, you have more control over this than you think you do. It's not just, oh, I'm a mom, so I guess this is what I deal with now. But also, it, it, it the pendulum swing both ways because you do have that like, oh, well, I guess this is just my reality now yeah. because I had a baby. But then on the other, other side, you do have that like bounce back culture and that like, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, yeah, you're going to pee yourself, but also make sure you fit in those jeans. <laughs> Yeah. But make sure you look good. Like we've cut so much more into like the aesthetic of postpartum as opposed to the function of postpartum. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I've got a lot of hot opinions on that. Yeah. So tell me about those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you hear okay. a lot of that stuff in your office? I'm assuming that like kind of is what gets you fired up about it. You probably just hear over <laughs> and over. Like I don't hear a lot of that, but I'm also more in the prenatal world. I'm entering yeah. postpartum world, but I mean, the best and worst thing to happen to like the perinatal phase was social media. Like, yeah, I agree. (laughs) All of my clients were like, 
So here's what I saw on TikTok today, and now I'm freaking out. I'm like, get the fuck off TikTok right now. <laughs> yeah, and I'm glad that it's teaching you things, but also like, get but off. is it like, is it teaching you, or is it just like making you more confused about what's going on in your life? Probably, you know. And I mean, it's so good because I think it does, like, in my immediately postpartum phase with Monty, it was so cathartic to me to like vulnerably share my story mm-hmm. and it's just kind of it was a really big outlet I needed it was a source of community it felt really positive but then I hit a part where I just didn't need it anymore and it was interesting like so being being someone on the um content creating side that's the word I want to use so not a consumer but being someone on the content creator side it also feeds this really negative feedback loop of like when I was being real vulnerable, especially in my birth, like, um, like my pregnancy journey, like really talking about birth tips, my postpartum, like immediate, my, my fourth trimester, I was real vulnerable. Oh my gosh. My, my social media blew up. I was popular. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, even as a content creator, it feeds this really negative feedback loop of like, Oh, I have to keep doing this. I have to keep doing this. I have to keep doing this. I have to keep putting out this content. Then I'm like, wait, I just want to fucking be a mom. Like, yeah. I'm tired of this now. And then I think consumers are the same way. They're constantly looking for this answer. They're constantly looking for someone to share this, like either like quick tip, these magic three things or their vulnerability to connect, but it's the most superficial connections that we're having. And it's just this really toxic space that's I think created even more of a bounce back culture because the problem with social media is that, and I'm going to be like harsh, like women objectify women really poorly in the perinatal postpartum world. Like if you put two pages up on social media, one that is, you know, provider, I'm going to use myself, low quality videos. I don't change my clothes. Half the time I'm in sweatpants. I'm like, I don't even, my son even told me I need to wash my hair today versus like someone who is matchy matchy hair's done you will see that person's going to garner more followers mm-hmm. but does that make them a better clinician does that make them a better source of information mm-hmm. no, maybe maybe not but we're we're social media we're just following what's pretty we're not following necessarily what's true and that has been a really hard pill for me to swallow because I got so caught up in it. Like, you know, I had a post go viral and I was getting all these attention. I thought, oh my gosh, like, how do I keep clickbaiting these consumers, i.e. moms, women who I want to serve? How do I clickbait them to feed my own desire and need? And it was just this harsh reality of like, I don't want to do that. Like, I don't want to put out this toxic image of, you know, I'm three weeks postpartum and I'm wearing this cute matchy matchy outfit, like three weeks postpartum, I was still covered in milk, like, and was maybe showering once a week. And it just really hit me like, man, we just, social media is just the next pretty thing to chase and we'll do anything to catch that next idea, which just throws gas on the fire. That's this toxic bounce back culture. And, but then like the other side of the coin is, well, then how do we serve these women who do generally want good education and don't know where to find it? Like, so it's such this, like I said, it's the best slash worst thing that I think happened to the mom world. Um, well, yeah. and it's, it's interesting too, as a business owner, because mm-hmm. I don't think I would show mm-hmm. up on social media the way that I do if it wasn't for the for fact my business. business. Yeah. Like I mm-hmm. just as a straight up, just like mom wanting to share, like, I don't think I'd be on here much on. I, I'm not. And that's like another weird thing right now is like. I'm still in like a punishment phase by Instagram and I'm learning. What does that mean? So since I'm not on near as much as I used to, um, I don't get as much exposure. So whatever I post on doesn't get it. There's like a weird, like, algorithm. <laughs> yeah. Right. 
but this comes back to me. Like I wanted to become more of a mom who owned a business. Mm-hmm. So I really shifted and changed and prioritized like in my day, what's important and me scrolling Instagram just isn't. Um, but yeah, as a business, I have to show up on social media because moms want to see it kind of what I've come to like really understand with my business right now is that Google is my main source. Like Google's what feeds my business. Instagram's my reputation. So Mm -hmm. I still have to put out like somewhat valuable content that, you know, people will look me up on Google. They'll check me out. They'll go to my social to make sure like, we want to see who we're working with. We want to see that whomever we're going to pay our money to is a functioning member of society and like has some good stuff, but I've just kind of learned like, it's just my reputation. So I need to put out content that I really care about, which is like hard facts. It's like, I'm not going to give you like, here's these three exercises to fix your diastasis. Like that's not fucking how it works. Like, you know, we're called physical therapists for a reason. We physically need to be working with clients and patients. And so yeah. I mean, I could go on a t- like yes. six hours talking about this and I know I just ramble with it. Um, no, but it is, it's interesting <clears throat> too because like, even like the clients that I have say like, Oh my God, TikTok is telling me this thing that I need to be scared of. And I'm seeing all these videos about it. And I'm like, but that's also because that's what you're clicking on. And then that's what they're feeding you. And that's, it, it is algorithm based. So, yeah. um, but I agree it's the best and worst thing because I think that there's um there's a lot of I mean I was just on there today and was just talking about some of the shit I'm going through in my own personal pregnancy and I get a text from my grandma who's like I saw your stories and I wish I would have had someone like you when I was having babies to tell me that I wasn't alone you know like I was just like oh like you know there is good to come of it too how to consume it in a way that it doesn't suck us in and we know how to be on it in a way that doesn't suck us in like you said I mean some of the posts that I've had like thriving lately are also the same posts that are getting me really creepy ass dudes asking me for like belly pics and I'm like can you not what <laughs> oh yeah girl oh yeah that's can, a thing can you send me a picture or a video of you lotioning your belly like literally I've Duh. got messages and <clears throat> it's like that's, world out there. you know that's the shit that we're fielding out here yeah <clears throat> the ego but then you are kind of like damn, is this, yeah. is this the only time, like only when I'm sharing this type of stuff that people are actually listening and then you get down on yourself and then you don't show up for your business in the way that you, it like, it can. It's fuck. such a mind fuck. Like, <laughs> yeah. and there's no winning. Like someone the other day told me if you put certain keywords in your social media content, like they'll screen it and won't share it. I was like, where, where are you smart enough to do that? Like, <laughs> why can't I? Come on. Yeah. It's, Ugh. it's, it's such a weird, and it's just so, I mean, I don't know. It's my mom. I mean, similar to your grandma, she was like, we didn't know any of this. Like you slept face down on your belly. Um, the car seats were like borderline unacceptable. You wore a coat in your car seat. Uh, we had crib bumpers. You slept with your stuffed animals in the crib. She's like, I don't know how you guys even lived. Like, and I was like, dude, I don't either. So it's like such this thing of like, gosh, there's such a wealth of information that we can get from the, like, not only Instagram, but the internet right now being moms, but it's also like a fire hose. And it has to like, you just have to sort through all the junk to be like, what is going to serve me and like my journey. And you just have to like put on these blinders to all the other noise 
to figure it out, which is hard work. Like that is hard to like hone in and focus on what's important to you. Like that takes effort. And so you just want to like get this information, but you have to constantly like cock block all this other stuff that's coming your way. Yeah. And when, I mean, we do want to educate people. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we also, as the people on the other side doing the educating have to also somehow cut through that noise. Yeah, exactly. It's a lot. It's a weird world out there right now, man. Like such a strange world. Well, I know one of like one of your soapboxes is about bounce back culture, but Mm -hmm. Do you have anything else that just like being in it as a mom, as a business owner, things that you see or hear that you're just like, why? <laughs> uh, that Kegels don't work. That like, you want to get me super fucking fired up. It oh. is like the clinicians or wellness providers, PTs, yoga instructors, Pilates that are just like, yeah, Kegels don't work. Like you should not be doing Kegels. Like I have so much burning passion for that. And it's just a not research-based. There's such a beautiful time and place for pelvic floor contractions, AKA Kegels. And I think another thing too, like when we're putting these like really hard black and white statements out, it confuses moms even more. Like I'll have moms come to see me and be like, well, I saw on this gal's Instagram page that I shouldn't be doing Kegels. And then they're questioning like my expertise because some girl in Idaho posted that Kegels are bad for you when they've never assessed you. They've never done anything like that is actually a huge, like fiery Bernie thing I get really angry about. And what's interesting is they'll say like, yeah, Kegels don't work, but engage your public floor first, then do this core movement. I'm like, it's a fucking Kegel. Like call a spade a spade. It's you're engaging your public floor. And there's just so much miscommunication right now. And it's, I think it's really toned down a little bit, or I've just learned how to turn the noise off of it on social media, but it's a fad. Like it's clickbait. It's a fad and everyone follows what's popular and so these pages and these providers, whomever they are, are just saying like, you don't need Kegels. I just, I'm like, show me research that a hundred percent supports that one. Like there's a ton of really strong research supporting pelvic floor contractions in the right time and place. Like, does every patient need them? No. Another thing that drives me crazy is birth prep that teaches Kegels. Like what to expect when you're expecting fucking loves Kegels. Every, like how to manage your pain postpartum, Kegels, how to prepare for birth, Kegels, how to do everything, Kegels, Kegels, Kegels. That is wrong. Like there's such a time and place for them. That's usually after you figure out a hands-on manual assessment of how that pelvic floor is firing. Can you then only decide if they're appropriate for that patient? So these blanket black and white statements, just like grind my gears because it's clickbait. It's fad. It's, you know, don't do don't do these Kegels, but buy my 12 step program, like for $219 and I can do it. And chances are there's fucking Kegels in it. They're just naming them as something else. Like the pelvic floor drives me. <laughs> yeah. Like drives me crazy. So but I, I see it in the birth world too. And it's the, you know, yeah. it's like throwing the baby out with bathwater where yeah. the pendulum <clears throat> swinging too far in the opposite way and then doing the exact same thing that you're bashing the other side for doing. And honestly, this has been happening a lot the last couple of years, right? Just with everything. I feel like it's been very polarizing, but I do see this in the birth world where, you know, you do have a lot of problems with, for, for instance, like just the the maternal health care system and yeah. a lot of you know I have a lot of beefs with the medical model but you swing so far the pendulum the other way and we're telling every woman that she should have an unmedicated 
home birth in the water and you're really not serving women because you're doing exactly what they're doing you're just doing it on the other side and it's like (laughs) it's not this this giggles but it's like but it is just understand that it's individual like and, and it happens with mom shaming right it's like if you totally breastfeed and you're bashing this person, you totally do it this way and you're bashing this person instead of just like, do what works for you. hundred <laughs> percent. Yep. Agreed. And I've noticed that too, in the birth world, like majority of the moms I serve are hospital birthers. Um, and I tell all my moms, I'm like, I don't care how you want to birth, where you want to birth. I care that you feel so confident in the decisions that you're making that day and the tools that you're using, that you are the one narrating your own story. Mm-hmm. Like I've had free birthers to, I want to schedule cesarean. Like, cool. Awesome. I, I care. I care how you birth, but I don't like, I don't ever want you to feel like if you are choosing a certain thing that it was wrong. Like, I'm very pro open goddess pushing, not on your back, upright birthing positions. Um, but I teach all my moms closed glottis, what it feels like to be on your back, epidural, non-epidural like positions. Like you need to have these in your toolkit. Like though they're not, though they are things I do not think are as effective in birth. You need to know these so that if you decide to do that, that was your choice. Like you, I never want you to feel bad for how your birth goes. Like you do nothing wrong that day, except take advice and like be like, and even if you, I tell moms too, like, even if you want to walk in and just do whatever your OB tells you to like, good, you know, that's what you want. That's that. I don't, I do not want you to feel bad about that. But, But yeah, there's a lot of polarizing, um, images, thoughts, mindsets in the birth world, a hundred percent for that. And yeah, it's just birth is birth is just like the coolest story that you get to write. Like mm-hmm. it's just such an awesome thing. And my first birth didn't go exactly the way I wanted it to. And I look back now and I don't have any regrets, but I wish I would have spoken up louder with certain things. Mm-hmm. And my second birth was just absolutely magical. Like it was such an amazing experience, but I was also just more educated. And I just want moms just to get as much education as they can with the right birth provider, right birth space, just to like have these magical experiences because it it's so like you grow a human and then you bring your earth side, like just the coolest thing your body can do. And then you, like, if you choose to breastfeed, then you feed that baby, like, Oh, it's just so awesome. And, but just knowing what your choices are and having so much confidence in that, like, that's, what's really important to me. Um, yeah, I say the same thing. <clears throat> I say that I don't care what you choose as long as the choice felt like yours, which is like yeah. exactly what you said. Like, I love what you said, narrating your own story, because I think that's such a cool way to say it. Yeah. I say it kind of like you're in the driver's seat. Like you, you can't control. And this is a really good analogy for motherhood too, right? Like you can't control the weather, the speed bumps, the, the traffic, the construction, (laughs) the things that are happening outside, but you do get to control the gas pedal, the brake, the air, the windows, the seat, the seat warmer, the, radio like there's still so much that you get to decide and I just I think when what makes it magical what makes those experiences magical is when women feel like they were the ones narrating their story like that's yeah like even looking back on your, first, 
experience that maybe didn't go exactly the way you had hoped, it was probably those moments, like you said, you wish you would have spoken up maybe certain times, like Mm -hmm. it was those moments where you were no longer the narrator that felt less magical. It wasn't necessarily circumstances. It wasn't the fact that X, Y, Z happened. It was when I was no longer the narrator, that's when it felt less magical. (laughs) You nailed it. And I remember the moments that happened. Like, yeah, same. <laughs> I remember those specific moments and it was just, yeah, I don't, I don't, there's nothing I regret, like, but I just, I wish I had a louder voice in the things that were said to me and I could have been like, no. And that's one thing I really teach moms that birth prep is just like, you know, policy and preference are not law. Like, you can fire whoever you want that day, but you need to be sure you're starting to have conversations with your birth provider before we get to that point. Like, so build your toolkits early, make sure you know your preferences. You know, if you have a doula, like make sure you know what your doula's voice is going to be for you. Um, If you're going to have a daddy doula, make sure they know what the voice is going to be for you because like though you definitely still have control that day there's going to be moments where you're just a little depleted like and this kind of makes me think like in a traffic jam I am not as good of a driver as opposed to like wide open roads mm-hmm. and you know you're going to have these moments of like these fleeting moments of not yourself so making sure like your team can also lift you up with that and that's just such like I don't know man birth is just so special and sacred and there's so many opportunities for just moms to learn and I just think a lot of the standard education out there is just absolute garbage really and like seeing more doulas coming out with education seeing more pts coming out with education like I just wish that became the standard of education as opposed to like Here's how to swallow your baby. And like, first off, who cloth swallows their baby? Like Velcro's in. Velcro's never going out. Like, good Velcro swaddles. Like, bottom line. I, yeah, I don't think I've ever. Or just don't even swallow your baby. Like, it's fine. Velcro swaddle. Yeah, I Velcro swaddle. Like, Uh, well, so so when you said, policy and preference isn't law and when you teach the open goddess versus the closed goddess and the upright versus the the on your back and stuff like that it just had me thinking about quite a few births that I've been in and then some that I've seen um via social media and just some of the shit that I've heard providers say <laughs> mm-hmm. and so I'm wondering if you can just kind of debunk some of it slash from your anatomical perspective. Yeah. Because a, I hear, or I see a lot of the, the, the default is just mom gets on her back. And if, you know, the providers just kind of not even, and I'm not talking like, straight up disregarding mom's wants but mom just kind of goes with it because she is just kind of vulnerable she's I don't care I just want this baby out by this time like she just defaults that way because that's what they default her to Mm -hmm. and if she hasn't expressed to me the strong desire to want something different I don't I I I never want to speak for my my clients like Mm -hmm their voice she's allowed to change her mind like mm-hmm. 100%. is the important voice in that moment now if she's expressed to me very vividly and prenatal prenatally like I don't want to push on my back mm-hmm. then I might say something like hey did you want to try a different position before we got on your back or hey can we you know try something else blah 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 but if she hasn't that it just it tends to be the default yeah. so what is a good way for her or what is some information that she can take into that? So 
she has some ground to stand on when they're like, oh, well, this is just what we do. <laughs> this I is because that I hear that a lot. Like, oh, well, this is just best. This is just. There and is no research that says birthing on your back and a lithotomy position is best. Like all the new research right now coming out actually supports more upright birthing, um, which here's the thing. Upright birthing actually is kind of hard. Um, yeah, you're tired. Yeah. Especially you nailed it, especially when you're kind of ending, like getting towards the end, like the most, when I teach moms like first positions, I always have them practice that semi-reclined position. It's comfortable. Like it is comfortable and it's a position of reprieve for mom, but for providers, they've got the best vantage point. They can see where that baby's coming out. It's a low liability. Um, and it's the old way of pushing. And so it's funny, I actually had this, I had three birth prep patients today and we talked about this and we went through four, like my four epidural safe positions that I teach. And we go through breathing techniques and pushing techniques. And after everyone, I'm like, what did you feel? How did you connect? And, you know, she definitely decided like sideline, she liked up on all fours, draped over the bed and sideline. And I said, if at any point you're asked to get on your back, you have two options. Well, you have a lot of options. Your first question can be, is there a safety reason why? Mm. Do you have the safe? Is there a safety reason as to why I need to be on my back? Mm-hmm. And if they cannot answer that, or you could say, is this safety or is this your preference? And if they say preference, you can fully deny it. You can say, I have been practicing this positions. I don't feel as comfortable. I don't feel as powerful. I don't feel near as connected with my pelvic floor in that position. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they still push it, fire them. Like, that's the thing. You can fire anyone. They're not going to kick you out. Like, and it was funny. My patient said really funny. She's like, yeah, it's not like a restaurant where they're going to take your food back and spin it and bring it back. Like, (laughs) that's actually a good point. Um, so that's one thing is I, you can say, what's the safety reason for this? You know, is this your preference or is this just your policy? Um, if they say it's preference, you can fully deny it. As I said, my favorite, more reprieve position is sideline, um, with a leg draped in front or a leg being supported by like a birth supporter. So like a dad, a doula, a nurse holding that top leg up a little bit. That's still a beautiful vantage point and a lot more like you have full sacral mobility for that as opposed to being on your back. Um, so I talk about like, let's try to suggest another position and then, yeah. So ask the safety reason, ask if it's policy preference, um, suggest a different position that you feel more comfortable in or just straight up fire them. Because yeah, all the new research, I mean, and if you want to get really gritty, you can be like, what's your new research on that? Like, if you really want to be a dick. Um, but this is where I encourage all my patients. I'm like, start practicing these positions and then take these to your provider earlier, like before birth and just say, hey, I've been working on these. I feel really confident. I feel really powerful. I feel really strong in my connection and ability to push. Um, how do you feel about these? And if they say, I don't like it, ask why. Make them give you reasons. Um, so I have had two responses that stopped me in my tracks and literally damn near made me second guess (laughs) everything that I know. And I'm like, are they right? (laughs) One was from an actual OB and one was from the nurse. And it was, Mm -hmm. these were two different births over a year apart. And one was... Well, if, if she sits up too much, baby's not going to be able to get under the pubic bone. That was the first one. So we didn't specifically ask, is there a safety reason? Um, (laughs) but my mind was just like, that doesn't fucking make any sense. And baby's already under the pubic bone because baby's lower than that. Like that's my mind. And the second one, and this was recent, this was within the last couple of months. And the nurse said, well, in an upright position, if you're sitting up too much, baby has to come out at a 90 degree angle and then make a 90 degree turn. 
And again, we didn't specifically ask like the safety question. We were just like, hey, we wanted to try to sit because they were like, oh, well, you're going to go ahead and lean back quite a bit more than that for pushing. And we were kind of like, oh, well, why is that? Like, what's up? And again, this mom like didn't really care. So I didn't fight the situation. But <laughs> when she said that, well, baby will have to come out and make a 90 degree turn. And that's really hard on baby. I'm like. I mean, my first question would be like. What fucking telling moms? Well, and I think my first question would be is where's the fetal station? Like. Because right. if baby's in a positive fetal station, that head's already down. I mean, you're going to have to be a little bit concerned for the shoulder. The one thing I will say, like when you in, when you are in more like a flex position, so more like trunk and thorax close, like trunk and pelvis thorax, trunk and pelvis like closer together, so more flexed, more in that like proper upright sitting, you do have a higher probability of maybe a shoulder hitting a pubic bone. And so like, because we'll see like the flying cowgirl position or, um, welcher position that puts you in a big extension pattern, which can help baby come under pubic bone a little bit more, but that's just usually like, I would be like, is the baby stuck? Like, as it, as it, because even in supine, when you come, when you're on your back, like birthing, like baby like it's not this like straight shot they have to come for like they have to traverse down and then slightly go up to navigate the vaginal wall and so like baby's having to go against gravity even when you're on your back so that's what i would have thrown i've been like well on the back it's going against gravity so let's just all up find a different position like get mom on her side especially if she's had an epidural or put her on all fours like you want to clear that pubic bone and do all that. Like, no, I those, yeah, those are so interesting. Like the stuff that you hear, like, yeah, I think what's really sneaky. Like my one, I'm, I'm, I'm very pro hospital birth. I'm, I'm very pro birth wherever you want, but like I've chosen to birth at hospitals, but people will get really sneaky with what they will say to try to get their preference. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have to be careful. And that's where like, A, my passion is birth biomechanics, but it's also like new updated research, making sure like staying on top of it and the new updated research, just the old way. It's, it's the old way for a reason. Like we just biomechanically, it doesn't make as much sense as what we're seeing in these newer studies with more upright birthing positions, more open glottis breathing, like it's just easier on the body, but we still live in this world of, you know, OBs have been taught the old way for years. Why, why try to fix what's not broken to them? Um, and that's, what's hard. And so that's why I love to tell my moms that come through birth. I'm like, just have these conversations, like start having these conversations now. And if you, or you're getting pushback from them, change the provider, like, you can change your provider as long, as late as you want to in the game. Like, and trust me, they're not going to be upset about it. They've got 12 other women lined up that day that they need to see. Like, I don't care. I don't care one bit, but just make sure you find like a good provider who meshes with what you want your story to be. Um, but yeah, that whole 90 degree turn, I'll have to, I'll have to look into that. Um, no, I think it's a crock of shit. I don't know that there's anything to look into. I just, yeah. It's like when somebody says something like that to you and they are in that position of quote unquote power or authority, like it sometimes feels hard to argue because you're like, am I stupid? <laughs> yeah. Am I wrong? Like, and yeah. And we, we have a very big, life. yeah. And like OBs are Zula, not even like, I can't imagine like the mom, like she's probably like off in another labor land world. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, it's, it, I, I, I love birth workers, but I definitely don't love the ones that push their preference of birth onto moms. That's my beef. And I think just, but like I said, there's other moms that just literally want to show up and be told what to do. I'm like, good for you. Like, you know what you want and you want that day just to someone guide you through your birth. Like, awesome. I'm here for that. 
Um, but yeah, it's, it's an interesting space of preference and policy mm-hmm. versus updated research. Well, and understanding, like you just have to be so aware that evidence takes a long time to trickle into policy and there's so many hoops to jump through. And this Mm -hmm. is not just in hospitals. This is in birth centers. This is with home birth midwives. I mean, there is a lot of like the powers that be as far as like laws and, and, and policymakers of hospitals that like, it's, it just takes forever. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's their process that takes so long. Yeah. Um, And I think that it's so important to harp on the point that you made about um, asking these things ahead of time. Like, that's what Mm -hmm. I always tell my clients. I'm like, I just want you to like, like, I don't want you to have to advocate for a goddamn thing on your birth on birthday. Like I want you to do all of that advocating before birthday. That's such a great statement. Yeah. All the things because yeah, like you said, just fire. (laughs) Exactly. And that's like my second birth. Like one reason it was so magical was a, this birth group birth, very similar to where I taught, like they were new updated research. They're down for pretty much whatever they're like. Yeah, we'll pretty much try anything. And so I was very lucky. My OB was on call that night. And I got an epidural. She walked in. I was like, can I just go ahead and get on four? She's like, yeah, that's fine. She, we moved me into all fours. And I mean, Taylor, like literally my OB just kind of sat back. Like I remember I looked back and she just was kind of like I'm watching here. my birth. And she'd like, give me a check every once in a while. She'd be like, you're doing good. And then just sat back. And it was just so like refreshing to know like she was there my whole pushing stage but just witnessed my birth. Like that was it. Like no one said a word to me. No one guided me. No one did anything. Like I had full spontaneous pushing, not of, no one gave me any advice. No one did anything. And she even said to me too, I think at my six week appointment, she's like, it was really cool just to sit back and watch someone birth. And it was just so I'm like, that's like, she was there to catch my baby. Yeah. And she did such a beautiful job, but we knew clear and concise going in. Like I'd already advocated for myself. Like, this is what I want to do. Like, this is where I feel good. This is where I feel confident. Like, are you going to be open to this? And she was like, yeah, cool. I'm here for it. Yeah. Because you're going to have another mom who would have felt had she, had she not had that conversation ahead of time, right. Had you mm-hmm. not made that clear, that's what you wanted in that exact same birth without the conversation prior might've felt abandoned or like, why aren't you coaching me? Why are, where are you? Like, exactly. Because you had that conversation, you were on the same page. Uh Like, this is what I want. Can you support me? Yes or no? Yes. Yeah. Like, and it's not, I tell patients, I'm like, don't go in like horns hard and be like, this (laughs) is what I want. But just be like, this is what I've been practicing. This is what I've been working through with my body. Like, here's where I feel confident. Here's where I feel strong. Like, are you on board with this? And if not, is there another provider in the practice who is? Right. Like, that's it. Like, conversations are just so beautiful and civil amongst our birth providers, but just educating moms that they can ask these questions. Um, and I, it's funny, one of my, one of the handouts I give in birth prep is like a, full page of questions for perineal tearing. And it's like, do you do episiotomies? Do you use forceps? Do you do this? And every question is like, do you do this? Why? Like, and I tell moms, I'm like, you have full authority to ask your birth provider why they do something yeah, and when, and what's their outcome. And they're like, I can't. I'm like, yeah. I was like, no one, no provider likes you to show up with a list of questions but that's your appointment. And like, that is laying the groundwork for like, this is what you want. Like, and make that happen. Like make lists, bring lists, like have it written down and of what you're good with, what you're not good with. And just go in, go in like hard with your toolkit full with just such beautiful education of what you want your birth to be. Yeah, that's so good. And 
I feel like that translates then into motherhood so closely, mm -hmm. right? Because yeah. in motherhood, how often do we get the unsolicited advice? Do we get the the maybe the pediatrician that's recommending something that we don't agree with or yeah. the mother-in-law that's like you have to do it this way yeah. or the best friend you know it's like we take these same skills yeah. into the rest of our journey I mean birthday yeah. is one day it's yeah. one day and then we have to yeah. be among the rest of the forever <laughs> I know we are inundated with preference in the postpartum world like yeah. I mean there's so many ways to skin a cat and there's so many ways to raise a baby. Like, and you just have to figure out what's good for you mm -hmm. and put on your blinders to everything else and be like, this is what serves my family. And, and it's interesting now, like the things I was so hellbent on with Baker, I'm not hellbent on with Monty. Like, mm -hmm. you know, even my preference for my mothering, but they're just totally different. Like, and it's, well, and there's things that work when you have one baby that maybe don't work when you have two or yeah, the first time you had a different birth and yeah. that affected your postpartum or the first time, you know, baby ha had a, a tongue tie and the second time they didn't, or mm -hmm. like you never, you're not getting the same baby again either. No, exactly. So, yeah. Like. Even what worked for you, the same mom, mm -hmm. is going to work for you in your next experience. So why would you expect mom on Instagram or the neighbor or your sister or your own mom? Like, why would her experience have to match yours either? Like, mm -hmm. your experience doesn't even match your own experience the last Yep. That's such a good way to put it. A hundred percent. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Motherhood's just such an interesting journey. It really is. So what would be like just one takeaway piece of advice that you would just give maybe two different ones, one that you would just give to moms in general, and then one that you would give to like the working mom who, even if she's not a business owner is just juggling motherhood and career. Mm -hmm. So my first one to moms would be get off the internet and get in-person care. Find providers who will hold you in person. Um, figure It's so easier for me to be like, figure out how to make it work because I realize like finance time and everything is always really messy, but like get someone in person to care for you. And then I think the working mom you know, my best friend told me, I can't remember when it was, but she's like, it's okay not to be good at everything every day. Like maybe pick two hats that you want to wear at certain times during the day, but be open to changing them. Like you don't have to be good at being a mom, a wife, a worker, a business owner, a dog walker, a daughter, a sister, like the cook, the cleaner, like you don't have to be good at everything every day. Like pick a couple of things that you want to be good at and be good at them for a short amount of time and then maybe change it up. Yeah, that's really good. I like that one. And I, you said, you said this at the beginning, but I just feel like it's good. It's worth reiterating is like choosing that identity that you can then step into so I think mm -hmm. for the working mom like choosing that you want to be this time like the mom that has a business instead of the business owner who is a mom and I'm not saying that that has to be your choice but yeah like feeling how that could feel different and try on those different hats and see mm -hmm. what you want to step into so mm -hmm. those are all so good so how can people find you and your pelvic PT education? And then just if they want 
to hear your spicy soapboxes about bounce back culture. <laughs> uh, so Google us on coretherapykc.com. You can find us our website. I try to do a decent amount of blogs. Um, and then obviously Instagram, um, Encore Therapy KC. And then one thing I did, um, another thing that I launched was a Facebook group. Ooh. Um, gosh, is it bad that I don't even know the name of it? Like, let me look that up really quick. It's okay. You can send it to me and I can add it to the show notes. Um, but it's like Kansas city pelvic health support healing. And it's specifically made for the moms of Kansas city. Like to get on and ask the hard questions about pelvic healing. Um, and it's my team, it's me and my team of clinicians that are all the admins, like we'll answer questions for you. Like it's by no means medical advice. Like we still always want you to come in person, but that Facebook page is really something I'd love to see take off because it's not a 30 second reel. It's not a clickbait. It's Hey moms, like, or, and you don't even have to be a mom. Like, Hey, someone who struggled with pelvic floor dysfunction, like come on here and ask us like, and we'll try to see what we can feel appropriately and direct you to where we need to go. So that's actually been a cool page that I'm really excited about. Um, well, and it's a beautiful you know, bridge between yeah. like, you know, get off the internet and, and get that in-person support. Sometimes that is not as accessible, but this is like that in-person vibe Yeah, and it's accessible and it's free mm-hmm. and it's fair. And it's like, you yeah, and we'll try to answer as best as we can within reason, obviously. Um, and just, yeah, start that. So I'm excited for that. Like it's been a slow burn getting that started as anything new is, but I'm looking forward to see how that potentially could take off. Yeah, that's really cool. I'll definitely link those things. And I encourage everyone to go find Kelsey and go learn about some of this new evidence and just pelvic PT in the perinatal period. Obviously, I'm I'm sure that she's got a wealth of knowledge of stuff that's not prenatal related, but this is a mom podcast and most of us are pregnant or moms mm-hmm. and you're postpartum forever, by the way. So 100%. like- 100 percent go day one postpartum and your day 805,092 I don't even know like that's not even a real number you're always postpartum if you're Mm -hmm. listening to this and you're done having kids like you're still still postpartum you are still postpartum and if you are peeing your pants you're still a beautiful candidate for pelvic PT love it love Mm -hmm. it well thank you so much this is thank you for having me Yes. I'm so excited to share this and for moms to just get so much value and just get some of the realness and behind the scenes. (laughs) I think it's, I think it's so valuable. So thank you so much. You are welcome. Thank you for having me, Taylor. Bye. Bye.